Tonight we're continuing our series on the Hall of Faith. And so if you could open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And also tonight let's open to Judges chapter 6. And a reminder what faith is, the, the best definition for faith, the Bible gives us one in Hebrews 11.1. 1, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And what we've seen over and over in this series is that faith manifests itself in complete obedience to the Word of God. The product of faith is obedience to God's Word. And in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I would say that a life that is disobedient to the Word of God is a life that is not pleasing to God. But a life of obedience to His Word is a life of faith, and that, Hebrews 11.6 says, is pleasing to God. And so tonight we're going to look at a very interesting hero of the faith. Similar to last week, I think you could say he was even an unlikely hero of the faith. Last week we looked at the faith of Rahab. But tonight we're going to be looking at Gideon's faith. Now Gideon, as we'll see, is someone that needed convincing to obey the Word of God. Gideon was a little bit different of a hero. He wasn't like Noah who obeyed right away when God said, build a boat, one like you've never seen before, for a flood like you've never seen before. And Noah said, okay, sign me up, I'll do it. Or like Abraham, who when God called him to sacrifice his son on the altar said, okay, let's go. We're going to see tonight that Gideon needed a little bit of convincing. Gideon didn't obey right away. Gideon needed some extra encouragement before he got to the point of obedience. And I think you could even say that Gideon, at the beginning of this passage, had a weak faith. But we know that he had faith or else he wouldn't be here in Hebrews 11. But his faith wasn't perfect. And so let's look at what Hebrews 11 says about Gideon. We're starting in verse 32. We're going to look at 32 through 34. And it says, And what more shall I say? So the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 has gone through all of these, Hebrew, all of these heroes. Now in, in verse 32 he says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Before we continue, let's pray tonight. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You that Your Word encourages us, Your Word strengthens us, Lord, I pray that this word that goes forth tonight would strengthen our faith as we look at the life and example of Gideon. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight, the phrase that I want to look at is this phrase from verse 34 that says, we're made strong out of weakness. And if you were to give this sermon a title tonight, you could call it Strength from Weakness. Strength from weakness. And we're going to see that in Gideon's life. 
But before we get to Gideon, uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about judges in the Bible. We're going to be looking at this period in Israel's history that's called the period of the judges. And so quickly, I think it'd be important to give us a little background on where the nation of Israel is at over these next four weeks as we look at these judges in the Bible. So after the time of Moses and Joshua, if you can remember last week with the story of Rahab, the Israelites went into the promised land. They knocked down the walls of Jericho and they entered the promised land. So after that period, but before the period of the king started with Saul and David and Solomon, before the kingdom was established, we had this period of the judges. Now these judges aren't what you'd picture today, you know, when you hear the word judge, you might think of Judge Judy or, you know, someone sitting behind a big desk or a bench in a courtroom. They weren't called your honor. These judges, who they were, were men, and there was one woman, Deborah, who were chosen by God for a specific period of time to protect or deliver God's people from their enemies. And often, which was the case, these enemies were a result of disobedience to the Word of God. Before the people of Israel entered the Promised Land, God spoke through Moses in Deuteronomy 30. And Moses told the people, you're about to go into this Promised Land. And you have set before you two options. You can either obey the commandments of the Lord that God has given you today and walk in His statutes, or you can disobey. And if you disobey, verse 17 of Deuteronomy 30, it says, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. So God made it clear to the Israelites, as you're entering into the promised land, as you're defeating the Canaanites, as you're driving them out of the country to either serve me and there will be blessing or disobey me and there will be a curse. And so fast forward, Israel enters the promised land and what happens as they drive out the Canaanites, they don't completely drive them out. They leave some of the Canaanites in their land and with the Canaanites stayed their idols. They left their idols there in the land. And so over a period of time, idol worship slowly crept into the tribes until it completely took over the tribes. And so the Lord promised them, if you serve idols as you go into this land, things will not go well for you. And so that brings us to the book of Judges. And so in Judges 2, 14, it says, The anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and He gave them over to plunderers who plundered them, and He sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. And so the people, after they'd be in a period of unrest, and this happens all throughout the book of Judges, after a period of unrest, after things get to their worst moment, their enemies have completely surrounded them, they hit their rock bottom, they call out to God. So after they've turned their back on God, they serve idols, God judges them, and then they cry out to God, God answers their cry, and He sends a judge or a deliverer to fight for them. 
And then after that judge dies, the whole process starts over. So the book of Judges is a really interesting book because over and over again we see this disobedience, then judgment, then crying out to God, then a judge is raised up who delivers the people, then the judge dies, and then the whole thing starts all over again. And so this is where we're at, this is where Israel is at as we go to our passage tonight in Judges chapter 6. And so I'm going to be reading through these passages pretty quick tonight, so hopefully y'all can keep up. But in verses 1 and 2, it says, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. So Israel was being destroyed by the Midianites for seven years. And whenever, what happened was whenever... Israel planted their crops. When the time of harvest came, the Midianites would storm through. It says they came through like a, a plague of locusts, a huge swarm of locusts. And it says the camels that the Midianites brought with them were too many to be numbered. And so this huge army of Midianites would come through and just completely ravage Israel and take all of their crops and their cattle. And this happened over a period of seven years. Verse 6 says, And Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. So here we see the pattern that we're talking about. Israel rejects God, they're given into enemy hands, and then they cry out to God. We're going to see that God answers their cry. In verse 11 of chapter 6 it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joas, the Abiziorite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites. Now, beating out wheat was norm normally done on the threshing floor, but Gideon, rightly so, was afraid of the Midianites, so he was doing it in hiding at the winepress, but he, he was so afraid of the Midianites coming and stealing his grain that he was doing it here in secret at the winepress where the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. In verse 12, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian." There's a few things that I think are interesting in this, these first few verses here. One is that the Lord calls Gideon a mighty man of valor. So far, what we've seen of Gideon wouldn't lead us to think that he's a mighty man of valor. He's faced defeat after defeat for seven years now. He's hiding from the Midianites, but here God is already encouraging Gideon. He's already speaking a word of courage to Gideon to get him ready for what he's calling him to do. I also think it's interesting that Gideon doesn't know why this is happening. He mentions that his fathers have told him about the good things that God has done for the people of Israel, delivering them out of Egypt. But apparently they failed to tell Gideon that if you disobey the word of God, if you walk in idolatry, there will be a curse. And so just to encourage the parents here tonight. It's important that you teach your kids the whole Word of God and not just the 
encouraging parts or the, the real heroic Bible stories, but they need to know the whole Word of God. There's more to the Word of God than just the uplifting stories. And so as we continue in verse 14, it says, the Lord turned to Gideon and said, go in this might of yours, again, encouraging him, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And Gideon said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So I've got four points tonight that go from being made strong, being a strength being made out of weakness. Four points that will show us how God takes someone who is weak in their faith and takes them to a point of being strong in their faith. And the first thing that I see here in verse 14 is that God calls the weak in faith. God calls those who are weak in faith. Gideon thought that the Lord had the wrong guy. He said, God, do you, you know what tribe I'm from. We're, I live in the, the least of the tribes. We're the runt of the litter, and I'm, in the, I'm the weakest of my household. Are you sure you have the right guy? Have any of y'all ever had thoughts like that? Where maybe God's asked you to do something, and you immediately think of all the reasons why you shouldn't do it. All the reasons why you're not able to do that. Lord, you've, you've seen my speech class. You know that I don't talk very well. You're asking me to lead a devotion. You're asking me to pray over somebody. Oftentimes, that's how the enemy tries to discourage us. It reminds us of everything, all the reasons why we're not qualified to work for the Lord. But here we see that this is how God usually works. God usually calls flawed, failing, and sinful people to do His work. If He didn't, He wouldn't have anybody to do His work. All of us have flaws. All of us have failed. All of us have sinned. But yet, God has called us. God has chosen us to be His people. And so Gideon asks a question here that all of us have probably asked before. How? He says, how can I save Israel? And that brings us to our second point tonight that I see as we go from weakness to strength in our faith. We see this in verse 16. It says, and the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. The second thing I see here is that God encourages the weak in faith. So God calls the weak in faith and He encourages the weak in faith. God didn't say to Gideon, Gideon, I'm choosing you to go and defeat the Midianites. Now have fun. You're on your own. Go at it. No, that's not what happened. Gideon asked, how am I going to do this? And the Lord said, I will be with you. That's how. You might be in here tonight feeling weak in your faith. You might feel like you're up against some Midianite battles and you don't know how you're going to face what you're up against. I want to encourage you to encourage yourself in the Word of God. Remind yourself that you're a child of God. That He's promised that all things are going to work for your good if you love God. Remind yourself of the Word of God. Remind yourself of these heroes of the faith. 
Remind yourself of the stories that you saw with Daniel in the lion's den, how God was there in the lion's den, how He was there with Jonah in the whale, how he, Jesus spoke to the waves to be still. The kids in church today, they learned about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's a story of God being there with someone in a tough and trying time. So this is a way that God takes us from weakness to strengthen our faith is that He encourages us with His Word. And that's part of why we're here tonight. One of the reasons we gather together as a body is to encourage ourselves in His Word. We come on Sunday nights to hear from the Word of God to encourage us, to lift up our faith, to strengthen us. And so even with the Lord promising to be with Gideon, Gideon still wasn't convinced. Gideon, he, he was a tough case. And this is why I really like Gideon. I think all of us could relate to Gideon, maybe a little more so than Noah or Abraham who just had the go get him faith. I know for me, I, I sometimes need a little bit of extra encouragement. And so this is what we see with Gideon. Gideon wanted a sign from the Lord. He needed more encouragement. So Gideon tells the, the angel of the Lord this. He says, I, I want a sign from you to, to know that you're really going to be with me. And so Gideon runs home. He tells this angel of the Lord to stay where he's at. He runs home, prepares a meal. He comes back and brings the meal before the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord says, place, place the meal that you've prepared here on this rock. And Gideon brought um, some broth from the meat. And the angel tells him to pour the broth all over the meat to get it nice and marinated. And the angel touches the meal with his staff. And instantly, the meal is consumed with fire. And the angel disappears. The angel vanishes. And in this moment, Gideon realizes that this isn't an ordinary man. This is an angel of the Lord. I think Gideon was right to assume that. If someone were to do that in your presence, make a meal for them and set it before them and they touch it and it goes up in flames, then I think you would think this probably isn't an ordinary person. So Gideon has this realization that this is the angel of the Lord. And then that night, the Lord tells Gideon, he comes back to Gideon and tells him that he needs to go and tear down the altar of Baal that his father had set up in his house. You see, Gideon was surrounded by idol worship. His father had built an altar to Baal to offer worship to Baal. And, and God tells Gideon, before I can use you, before you can be useful to me, you need to get rid of the idols that are in your life. This brings me to the third thing that I see that God does, taking someone from a weak faith to a strong faith, is that He sanctifies the weak in faith. God needed Gideon to get rid of the idols in his life before he would use him. So I want to ask you tonight, what idols do you have in your life that are holding you back from being used by God? What things are there in your life? Is there something that you are feeling convicted of that you're ignoring? You know, Pastor Matt talked about in Philippians chapter 4 today, he, he listed eight things that we're to think on. We're to think on what is pure, what is lovely, what is just, what is of a good report. 
But are there things in your life that don't line up with that that you're not dealing with? Is there a secret sin in your life that's keeping you from stepping out in ministry? I want to encourage you to do what God challenged Gideon to do with that, to take action and to destroy it, to burn it down, to repent before God, to lay it before God, and to be obedient to His Word. And as you do that, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify you and to work in your life. And so God calls Gideon, God encourages Gideon, God now is working to sanctify Gideon, but Gideon was still needing encouragement. He wasn't quite convinced yet that God was going to come through for him. I I would think that exploding a, a slab of meat in front of him and then disappearing would be convincing enough that this was the Lord at work, but Gideon still needed convincing. And so at the end of chapter 6, Gideon asked God to perform two more signs to prove that he really is with him, that he really is going to go before him and fight with him. So God does this. Again, God is constantly encouraging Gideon, letting him know, I'm going to be with you in this fight. So at the end of chapter 6, Gideon puts a call out and 32 thousand Israelites respond to be in the army to fight the Midianites. Now, as we go to chapter 7, let's look at the verses 2 through 4. And it says, The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. And so Gideon's army in an instant goes from 32,000 to 10,000. But God said, this is still too much. I need to make sure that I am going to be the one that is glorified in this battle over the Midianites. And so Gideon takes the men, the the remaining 10,000, down to the water to have a drink. And God tells Gideon that everyone who kneels down and drinks with their face in the water, those I want you to send home. And those that cup the water in their hands and and bring it to their hands and drink it, those are the ones that I want to fight in my army. And so verse 6 says, And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, With these 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand, And let all the others go, every man to his home. So Gideon's army, less than 1% of what was originally there, is now there with Gideon. And God says, yes, this is a number that I can work with. I know for sure now that after I have delivered the Midianites into your hands, that I will be the one who is glorified. But notice that God says to Gideon, with these 300 men, I will save you. Again, God is encouraging Gideon, promising that he will be with him. And what I see in this is that God is not going to call you to do something and leave you high and dry. 
God isn't going to call you to step out in faith and then leave you to figure out how to do everything. God is going to be there every step of the way to encourage you and to lift you up. So quickly, let's look at the rest of this story tonight in, in verse 9 of chapter 7. It says, That same night the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Again, notice the Lord encouraging Gideon. He says, I have given Midian into your hands. Past tense. He was assuring Gideon, this, this was a done deal. I've already done it. Just step out in faith and the battle will be yours. But yet Gideon was still afraid, so he takes God up on this offer and he goes down with his servant Pura in the middle of the night into the Midianite camp. And as he does this, he overhears two soldiers talking to each other. One of them has just had a dream, and in this dream he pictures a loaf of bread rolling down a hill and going into the Midianite camp and overthrowing a tent. And the other soldier interprets the dream, and Gideon overhears it, and he says, this, is, this loaf represents Gideon, the son of Joash. He's going to come and overthrow us. And so now we'll see Gideon's response to this as he hears these two men telling the dream and interpreting the dream. In verse 15 of chapter 7, it says, As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. Gideon has finally got it. Here Gideon declares that the Lord has Past tense, he has given the Midianites to us. So now we see that Gideon's faith has gone from weak to strong. God called him, he encouraged him, he sanctified him, then he encouraged him again and again and again, and now he is ready to be used by God. This brings me to the fourth and final point that I see in this passage tonight is that God uses the weak in faith for His own glory. God uses us for His own glory. He took the Israelite army from 32,000 to 300. Not so that Gideon would be lifted up. Not so that Gideon would look at himself and say, oh, see what a great judge I am. See what a great army commander I am. No, it was so after this battle was done, nobody would be able to look at this battle and think anything other than that the Lord had fought on behalf of the Israelites. And so Gideon gathers his 300 men after worshiping the Lord and after his faith is strengthened and he tells the men to each get three things, a trumpet, a jar, and a torch. And he tells them to surround the Midianite camp in three sections, 100 men over here, 100 over here, and 100 over here. And they go in the middle of the night and Gideon says, on my command, we're going to blow our trumpet. We're going to shout a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And we're going to smash the pots and raise our torches. And we're going to win the battle. Now, this is how you know that Gideon has gone from a weak faith to a strong faith, because on the surface, this doesn't necessarily sound like a great strategy to defeat 120,000 
Midianites. But nevertheless, the Israelite army obeys Gideon's command. And in verse 20 of chapter 7, it says, Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow, and they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. You see who is mentioned first here. It is the Lord. It is the Lord who is getting the glory for this battle. And as Gideon's men blew their trumpets and broke their pots and raised their torches and shouted together, the Lord sent the Midianite camp into total chaos. That was quite an alarm clock that they were woken up to. And as they're half asleep and waking up and they see their camp surrounded by these screaming men holding torches, it says that they turn on each other in their confusion. That the Lord sent a, a confusing spirit into the camp and they all started killing each other. It was a complete act of God that defeated the Midianites, but it took Gideon stepping out in faith and obeying the word of the Lord. And so the battle goes on for another chapter, but in the end, Israel is victorious over the Midianites. God uses 300 men to strike down 120,000 plus so tonight as we come to a close, maybe you're here tonight and your faith is at an all-time low. Maybe you feel where Gideon was at, where maybe you're up against a Midianite camp in your life and you don't see how in the world it's going to be possible for you to have victory in what you're facing. I want you to remind yourself that you have been called by God. God has chosen you. You are a child of God. He has saved you. He has redeemed you. He has bought you with a price. Now, reminding yourself of that, what that is doing is encouraging yourself in the Word. So God calls the weak in faith. Then He encourages the weak in faith. And I want to challenge you to assess your life. Maybe your faith is weak right now because of things that you've let creep into your life. Maybe you've relaxed on the things of this world and you've let sin just come in and, and surround your life and maybe this is robbing you from being useful for God. Allow God to sanctify you. Lay those things before God. Take action with those things in your life like Gideon took action and destroyed the altar of Baal in his father's house. Allow God, by his word, to sanctify you. And I believe as you do these things, you will be useful for the glory of God. Now, it may not come right away. God had to encourage Gideon over and over and over again. But that is who our God is. God is going to see you through. So that He will be glorified. Not so that we will be glorified. Not so that people will look at us and say, oh, His faith is so strong. Or, oh, her faith is so strong. No, God is going to see us through so that He will get the glory. And I know all of us in here can attest tonight that everything good and useful that is, that is in our lives is a result of God at work and not ourselves. In fact, the, everything useful and all the fruit in our lives really is in spite of us. It's God working His plans and purposes 
even though we continue to get in the way at times. So what we see tonight in this story of Gideon is that God uses the weak to show that he is strong. God uses the weak to show that he is strong so that he will be glorified. And in closing, I think this passage by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 perfectly sums this up. Starting in verse 26, he says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So just like God took Gideon from a weak faith to a strong faith, I believe that he will do the same for you and that it will be for his glory. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray tonight. And as I pray, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up so that after we pray, we can end with a dance party for the kids. Well, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, we would be so lost without your word. Lord, we would be so weak without your word. God, I thank you that you have given us your word to strengthen us. Lord, your word is a rock that we can stand on when we are feeling weak. Your word is a strong tower that we can run to when we are feeling surrounded and overwhelmed by the enemy or overwhelmed by circumstances. Lord, I thank you for calling us. I thank you for choosing us. I thank you that we are your children here tonight. We are in Christ. Lord, I thank you that you have encouraged us by your word. And I thank you that you've given us your word Thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit that sanctifies us, that makes us more like you. Lord, I pray that if there's anything that's hindering us in our life, if there's anything in our lives that is weakening our faith, if there's anything that the enemy is using to accuse us, Lord, I pray that we would lay it down before you, that we would bring it to you, that we would repent of the sin in our lives. Lord, so that we can serve you, we can be useful by you without any condemnation that as the enemy would come and try to lie to us and say you're not qualified you're not gifted enough you're not strong enough that we can point to the word of God and say no that I am an overcomer that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and Lord I thank you that as we do this as you lift our faith and as you strengthen our faith that we will be useful for your glory that all that we do, all that we say, all of our actions would be pointing people to you, that it would be glorifying you, Lord. That is why we are on this earth, is to bring glory to your name. 
So Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the example that we see in Gideon's life, that you don't give up on people that are weak in faith, that you use us for your glory and you strengthen our faith by your word. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.